Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from The Alex Trumbull Show, and um, you're definitely in for a treat uh, with today's guest. And before we get going, I, I, I was really hoping that I could share a, um, a quick story with you, something that, that uh, has been laying heavy on my heart um, for a while. So it is May 18th, 2021. Um, we are now over a year into the COVID pandemic and things are finally start to open up in the U.S., right? The, the mask mandate is starting to uh, loosen a bit um, and things are, quote unquote, trying to get back to normal and people are excited, people are smiling, people are ready to go and get back out there. Um, but, you know, I spoke to a friend of mine who's been through some really rough things this last a um, few months, and he told me about uh, his family member who passed due to COVID. And, uh, you know, I don't want to share his story because it would be inappropriate, but I, I thought I would really quickly share my story. Um, this is a brief interlude. My, my grandfather, someone who meant so much to me, to me um, he died three months into covid in 2020. And um, this man was so significant in my life. He taught me so much about being a man, being respected, being loved, how to be caring. And <laughs> the guy was honestly just freaking awesome. Um, and when he contracted COVID, uh, that same week he went to the hospital, he had two strokes. He had kidney failure and ultimately died um, from a heart attack. And it was really hard. <clears throat> it was really hard for me um, because he, he meant so much to me. And even now I'm trying not to tear up because I, I do want to get this, this out really quickly so we can get to what you guys are really here for. Um, but, you know, when it happened, I didn't share it. I, I, I thought about posting. I thought about telling people, but I didn't because I wasn't ready to deal with the reality, right? And and I didn't want everyone coming to me, asking me how I'm doing. And every time I had to respond, I had to relive the situation. So I just, I was just hurt for a while. Um, I kept a smile on my face, but when people weren't around, I, I, I can't remember the last time I cried so much for so long. Um, you know, I, I share that story really briefly to say that I, I'm asking and I'm hoping that everyone listening to this um, will remember that although things are quote unquote getting back to normal, although things are opening up and people can continue on their lives, um, just remember that there were a lot of lives lost. And, and not only are those individuals who, who actually passed away where they hurt, but their family, their friends, um, people who cared a lot about them were hurt and are hurt and are still going through this. And, and even for those individuals who didn't die, but who went through COVID and came out either physically uh, disabled, now moving forward, emotionally disabled, um, there's going to be a lot of scars um, due to this 
this pandemic. And so what I do is I, I just ask you right now is as, as we do open up and things again get quote unquote back to normal, remember that things aren't going to be back to normal for a lot of people. So make sure you're you're thoughtful and compassionate to those around you because you again, the people who are around me, they may not have known how hard it was for me during that time. And and you really don't know what someone's going to until you ask, right? So, you know, don't don't assume because someone's smiling that their life is going great. You know, I once heard a quote, how do you know that someone needs encouragement? Because they're breathing. Find ways to be kind to people because you really never know what they're going through. And you know, never know what just a kind word can mean to someone and how it can change their life. So I, I want to thank you for allowing me to share this, this brief interlope with you. And whew, if, if you have, if you've gone through anything like this, you know, you know, do better than me, right? Don't, don't keep it to yourself. It's not healthy. Um, find someone to talk to, find some way to get it out. Um, but again, I just want to thank you for allowing me to share this with you. And uh, that's it. <laughs> so um, I'm going to be a little more upbeat as I transition now to talk about our speaker. So today's guest is a good friend of mine, Ivan H. Lee. Ivan serves as the Senior Program Manager for Learning and Development at the third largest wireless carrier in the United States. That would be T-Mobile. Um, and not only has he done phenomenal work within T-Mobile in regards to learning, development, diversity, equity, inclusion, but he also served as a Senior Program Manager for Learning and Development for Apple. Yes, the Apple, not the one you eat, the one you play with on your phone or, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The Apple, right? Steve Jobs. Um, and while over there serving that role, he also served as the co-chair for inclusion and diversity for the organization. So this man is a rock star, um, what he brings to the table. And, and through our conversation, we're going to be talking about everything in regards to, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, how to retain and recruit individuals from diverse communities, when it's appropriate to uh, to adopt the mannerisms and behaviors of the dominant culture of the organization, and when is it appropriate to, to buck the system and to be who you are, be yourself, and what does that mean for you and or for your career? Um, we're going to have a really great conversation, and as always, I look forward to hearing back from you. So if you're not already connected with me and finding ways to have a dialogue, you need to do this today. So make sure you go to alextremble.com forward slash blog and leave your ideas, thoughts. And I'd like to hear your response to some of the some of the ideas we put forward because they may be a little racy for some people. Um, but you know what? I've taken up enough of your time. With no further ado, Ivan H. Lee. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show, and I am pleased, energetic, I'm excited uh, to be having this conversation with my good friend, Ivan Lee. How are you doing today, kind sir? I am doing very good today. There's sun outside, and anytime there's sun in, in uh, Seattle, it's a good day. So I appreciate <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it's, it's wonderful to be here. And how are you doing today? I am doing well. You know, I can, as you and I had a conversation, there's some experiences going on around the country right now where we are all dealing with these, these, these experiences, these situations differently, working our way through our emotions. And this yeah. is something that I'm working through right now. And I, I'm glad to be able to be here with you and kind of talk about some of these uh, D&I uh, topics, if that's okay for you today. Absolutely. Yes. So before we get rocking, I do want to just kind of tell the audience that um, we're going to do something a little bit different today. So generally, I am interviewing the guest. However, because our esteemed guest, our esteemed guest is awesome, um, we're going to try something a little bit different. Him and I are going to be asking each other questions and kind of almost interviewing each other. So we're we're going to see how this works. I'm promise, but I'm promising you, um, this will work out well. You you in agreement, Ivan? Absolutely. I think it'll be a fun experiment. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 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 So we will kick it off by just talking about a little bit about you. Um, you've worked at a couple small companies, right? Um, you've worked at a little known company uh, called T-Mobile, um, uh, another relatively uh, new company to the playing field, uh, Apple. Um, <laughs> and you've done a lot of really great work in this field of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, if I could ask you really quickly, how did you get in this field and why is this important to you? Let's just kick it off there. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, it's interesting because uh, I, I wouldn't say I necessarily went into the field. It had always been part of my being in terms of the way that I'm espousing uh, values of respect and of, of inclusion. It's just a part of uh, my, my personal belief system uh, as a follower of Jesus as well as my understanding, my worldview of respecting our, our fellow um, human beings that are, that are around us and how we treat each other, essentially. So I think uh, the lens that I see these, um, these issues and principles and concerns that are being labeled diversity, equity, and inclusion concerns really are at the end of the day um, about how we want to be as human beings, how we want to treat each other about respect, uh, about the very core of our human interactions. So that's kind of the perception. Uh, but I, I will say that uh, the ways that it has come out uh, more formally, I guess, in a corporate environment has been through um, my leadership uh, as chair of a uh, employee resource group um, at Apple uh, when I was there. And then now uh, as chair of a uh, retention and recruitment committee uh, at T-Mobile that are that where we focus on some of the concerns that help us attract and retain uh, talent. So uh, I guess I'm involved formally. Uh, I have experience in those roles, uh, but the I want to highlight the very uh, principle, the very the essence of this work uh, is something that we can all uh, take a part in doing just through the way that we treat our fellow colleagues. So it's some it's something that everyone can do. So. Uh... Man, okay, so your answer kind of got me got me thinking a different thing, okay? So I'm, I'm going to start off with saying, uh, for some odd reason, there has been this stigma about diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, say, especially in the public sector. Say, I, I can't speak for all organizations, but definitely um, the federal government, I had always heard that if you moved into that uh, diversity space, um, your career was over right? You were just going to sit there and kind of just 
be there. And so if you wanted to be successful in as a leader, you wanted to stay away from that because that's where they just pushed all the all the black people and all the other minorities into that that group. Um, do you see have you ever seen that? And is is that where you see us today? It seems, sounds like it's, it's changed, if, if anything. That's what I love about this conversation that um, through our our exploration, we can highlight the similarities and differences uh, in this area for both the public and the private sector. Uh, I have not seen uh, those that that kind of um, behavior in in the private sector. In fact, I have seen um, I have seen more recently, of course, uh, that there is uh, increased significantly increase uh, interest and real actions taken to elevate uh, people of underrepresented um, communities to be in more positions of power and also to lead um, areas that are outside of diversity, equity, and inclusion as a particular department within a big company. So that's, that's very interesting to hear that in the, in the um, public sector that that is not the case. Do you see any uh, trends away from that? Um, what kind of um, solutions do you see um, being implemented to move away from that, that kind of a, a behavior? I, I mean, if I'm talking personally for myself, um, I've had some opportunities to serve in senior level positions within those sections of the organization, but mentors and other leaders told me, don't do it, you'll kill your career. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> that's where they put, again, I'm just going to use black people, but that's where they put the, the old black people or black people use, use throw them in there. And yeah, they may get you know a couple of grades, a couple of promotions, but their careers locked off from the rest. And, and to answer your question, do I see it changing? Um, I, I do. I do see it changing. I believe that it was more so um, after uh, George, George uh, uh, Floyd. Um, when, when we had all the unrest last year um, with I, I Can't Breathe, um, I mean, I think you saw it all across nonprofit, profit, mm-hmm. government, um, people putting people in place, leaders in place to, to oversee diversity, equity, inclusion, and really maybe do something about it. But I, I can tell you right now that a lot of my friends, as we talked about this space, they're really worried, right? Because they were worried that this will be more so um, lip service, like oh, let's let's give a make them a chief diversity offer uh, or chief over um, DEI. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna give me a budget, but you know we'll, we'll we're gonna set them up for failure or let's have this conversation about understanding each other. We're not gonna promote people. <laughs> we're not gonna put anyone on our board, but let's have this conversation. Uh, I, have you seen? Have you seen? Have you seen that on your side, or is that something you're, you're worried about? While there are certainly companies that continue that kind of rhetoric and lip service, uh, I'm hopeful and I'm seeing uh, a progress in a major uh, companies, Fortune 500 companies that are actually uh, doing uh, real work uh, in terms of uh, looking at the data, uh, in terms of increasing the number of promotions at senior level positions for underrepresented talent, uh, to to understand um, biases in hiring and promoting, in providing training to hiring managers, in uh, updating 
the even the recruitment tools and recruitment process in terms of you know blinding resumes in terms of uh, many tactical and strategic aspects of of creating a more equitable workplace i have seen a lot of uh, of real progress in those areas in, in the last couple of years so i think uh, at least in the private sector i'm more hopeful i think a lot of what's driving the uh progress and the speed and the urgency i think is uh part of kind of um uh free market um economics it has to do with the shortage of talent especially among a lot of the tech companies and so i think uh the reason why is a lot of that the larger organizations are leading the charge in this way is because they know this is where the puck is going they know that they have to arrange these things at an institutional level otherwise they're going to have significant um, talent drain and talent shortages in 5 to 10 years so i think uh with that kind of what's in it for me uh perspective which is not necessarily a bad thing i think it's a, a really good driver for a lot of the change that i've seen well i i guess where where is that line? this is what i struggle with and i was talking to uh, dr uh, david smith who i interviewed a few weeks ago um and we talked about how men can be better allies for women in the workplace and this great conversation and and what we talked about is the need to to ensure that women had a seat at the table and you and you're hiring and you're recruiting um but then there's that line between um you know uh hiring someone because they're the best person and tokenism um or or even if there are two people who are extremely qualified and um one is diverse one's not diverse is it unfair to pick the diverse person because now you're basing it off of something that's not <laughs> uh uh data is, is it is it fair to 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 look for diversity and hire as and have that as one of your criteria as you're recruiting. So, the um legally correct answer is that uh uh you cannot use any particular uh protected classes as a basis for hiring. So that's that's the that's the legal legal answer. Uh and uh however during the hiring process if you get to a point where uh you have um evaluated your candidates or or it's hiring or promotion you have evaluated your candidates and you find that uh they are basically uh, equally weighted and the value that they add however it's defined by the organization at that point uh there is no issue with with using some of these um other criteria uh to support uh the final decision process that is my understanding of uh how this actually uh, plays out um but i've also seen that there are more progressive organizations that are um more aggressive in this in area and they're willing to just uh use uh these protected classes as a more significant aspect of their of their pr- promoting and hiring criteria I, i've definitely seen that um and i've also seen uh, other organizations that uh choose to stay away from that 
wholeheartedly. They want to stay focused on the existing criteria. Now, the um, the less progressive organizations that choose not to have these considerations, have these conversations in place, uh, the danger with 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 continuing as this in a like the blind in a you know so-called colorblind fashion is that by by actually not addressing these concerns and act and bring them up they're perpetuating the existing biases uh in the process uh in the way that the hiring manager has bias the way that uh the recruitment process process may, may be biased maybe the recruiter is biased so i think uh the the solution is to continue to have these conversations to have um all these considerations in front of you as you're making those choices of everything from right obviously competency uh the experience um the um uh, interpersonal relation dynamics and relationship uh, in the team that they will be part of uh, and of course the uh, diverse uh, experiences and perspectives that they bring to the table so that i think is a good go forward plan so I, I, I'm with you, and and I bring up this story. Actually, I might have shared it on, a, on another episode, but um, I was on the ground floor of this diversity program that was being launched within an agency, and um, we did this. Like I think it was almost like a two week, almost a two week training on diversity, and really drove home the importance of diversity, um, equity, inclusion. Um, and it was so good that one of the one of the participants actually stood up in the class and said, "I'm sold. We have some positions that we need to fill, and we are going to hire them. Um, we're going to hire diverse candidates. I'm going to call the hiring manager today, and we're going to tell them I don't care if the person's qualified or not. We can train them. Let's hire." Um, we're going to hire some diversity. I see your face. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the immediate response that, that, you know, that me and the other trainers felt was like, oh, that, that, that's not what we're looking for, right? Because you, you always want to, looking for diversity, equity, inclusion does not mean settling for someone who's not qualified, Right. Um, because if, if you if you do that, then you're making the assumption, uh, you're working on the assumption that these those individuals just aren't qualified, um, and that is, I think, a, a false assumption. And it just means, to your point, you're you have not maybe questioned your recruitment strategy um, enough to say, am I going to where these people are? Um, what what are your thoughts? You you hit the nail on the head, Alex. Uh, two things: if what you described were allowed to persist, two things happen. One, the false notion that hiring a diverse candidate equals hiring an underqualified candidate persists, which is, as we know, it's not true. And we need to get that um, perception. We need to delete that. And then the second is, well, yeah, if the if you're intentionally going to hire an underqualified candidate, then that no longer becomes a perception that becomes reality, right? So. Those are the two things we certainly uh, want to avoid. Uh, and so the counter to that, of course, like as you mentioned, is to focus on uh, the competencies. Now, where, are, where there are some uh, drivers for uh, improving uh, the, the talent pipeline and the, and the opportunities, 
uh, is in, in looking at um, thinking about how the current recruitment and promotion process exists, who are benefiting from those mechanisms, and sometimes they're like country club, they're unspoken mechanisms that many people uh, under, of underrepresented communities do not have access to, and then thinking about how to scale those um, underutilized uh, tools to a larger population. So for example, uh, one uh, common um, bias, right, uh, for um, historically for many senior leaders is, oh, do you go to the same country club? Do you play golf <laughs> at the same place that I play? Or did you go to the same uh, school that I went to, right? So that's, uh, that's one example of something to, to think beyond and then to say, okay, well, uh, even though I, uh, uh, this candidate did not, uh, is not part of my circle or, or the circle that I am comfortable personally with, I'm willing to, uh, to, to step back and, and consider the other aspects uh, of, of the candidate. So uh, sometimes that means um, thinking about, for example, how you came to be in the position that you were. Who took chances on you? Oh yeah, well, now looking back, you know, the reason I got to be a VP was because I was a director and I played, uh, I, I, I had interactions with the um, SVP. Uh, I was part of their same country club. So when you challenge, when you help leaders recognize who helped them along the way on their journey, it helps them to understand, oh, actually, uh, you know, that could have been a bias in my favor. And these are some hidden advantages that I had. Maybe I need to consider scaling these advantages and also ex extending the same amount of grace that was given to me in my promotion process to the people that I lead now. So that level of, of, of grace is what I mean by the areas that we could scale. So if a person is completely qualified, but um, maybe they um, you know, didn't attend as you know, quote unquote, prestigious is a school that, that I think my candidates should, should uh, attend. That's where I can extend that level of grace. So that's, that's an example. Thank you for tuning in to The Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEBA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEBA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course 
uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com slash courses slash networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code PODCASTFAMILY on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com slash courses slash networking. And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. Th- th- thank you for that. I, I, you, again, you got me thinking. Um, so w- we talk about the, the university, you talk about the, the country club. Uh, you know, the reality is, just, you know, <laughs> you hear about it all the time. Um, the deals are made on the golf course, right? Um, the relationships that we have are crucial for our success because those people, those mentors, those sponsors, those individuals are the ones who can speak up for us, speak up for us, and 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 push us up to those other opportunities and and and, and fight for us um, on our behalf in, in certain situations. And so this is actually why I, I heavily teach um, like strategic networking to my clients because I want them to build develop those relationships. My my question is in regards to the golf course, right? So I've been told, Alex, in order to keep your career moving forward, you need to learn how to golf. You need to go out. That's where the deals are being made, right? And so, but the so the question is, is at what point is that good advice? Like, should should I have to learn how to golf to build those relationships? Um, you know, if I were to go to say India, you know, would, it would it's probably a good idea for me to learn cricket, right? Um, because maybe those people are the leaders out there. Um, how how important is it that you know people within these diverse communities who are trying to get into those circles learn these skills or learn put themselves in those areas where those other people are are at currently? I'll, I'll leave it there. I'll, I'll, let you, I'll, let you, I'll let you answer. And if you want to be successful in Finland, then you're going to have to enjoy the the sauna, um, the the nice hot steamy room where uh, for Finnish uh, corporations, that is where uh, the deals are made. Uh, And then of course, traditionally they're all, you know, naked men in the room talking about (laughs) who's going to, what what deals are going to be made and who's going to replace them when they retire um, or succeed them. And I think this, uh, that's a very good question, Alex. Um, And I want to hear your perspective on this from the government sector after this. Um, I think, Everyone has to make a decision. Everyone has to uh, figure out what's authentic for them. And um, there's, there's a, and also they have to figure out what, what they want. If you are curious about the game of golf and maybe you, you know, tr- try to hit a couple, a couple rounds, you know, go to the, go to the, uh, um, the range and, and see if you like it, you know, why not? Something to try. But if it's something that you hate and, uh, and then, then, prob- then prob- the answer probably is no, because then if you're doing it just so that you think you can get access to uh, uh, or perceived access to some of those people, then that probably is uh, from an authenticity perspective to your, your mental uh, uh, detriment. Now, I, I know it's, this is a, uh, it's, it's, a per- it's a perpetual chicken and egg problem. Um, Sometimes you, uh, you need to 
behave in a way that is uh, consistent with the people in the ruling class. To enter the ruling class, to enter the people who have power to be in that circle in order to make that change, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, I, you think, oh, I hate these policies. However, unless I stick with an organization and rise to the level where I have the power, uh, the formal and the influence, uh, formal power and influence to change the policy, it's not going to happen. So that's one, that's one perspective. And some people are willing to make those adjustments and sacrifices to get to that place. Uh, I think other times uh, you have to be able to draw a line in the stand and say, these are things that I, I'm not willing to do. Uh, and the action, the, 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 the acting upon the principle is in and of itself also um, uh, uh, powerful and good as well. So I see, I have seen both cases, people who have performed both sets of behaviors um, eventually uh, rise to uh, uh, positions or uh, places of influence where they can uh, affect change. So I think it's, uh, there are many ways to uh, many roads to to the uh, to the end state, and um, it, it's re it's really a, a personal choice. But what what about you, Alex? What what do you think? Um, what are some of the inner dialogue that that public servants have had when considering these choices? Well, I, I think the the inner dialogue that I hear the most is uh, if I'm networking, that means that. I, I, if, I don't want people to think that I got to where I am, not because I'm good enough, right? It's because the people I know. And if I'm networking, that means I'm sleazy. If, if I'm networking, um, if I'm developing those relationships and doing these things intentionally, um, I, I must be evil like the people in the movies or, or the shows, right? Um, and so a lot of what I teach is, you know, I have this, this strategic um, this C4 strategic networking model. Um, and the first thing you have to do is change your mindset, period. It doesn't matter what anyone teaches you about networking, relationship building. If you don't believe it's okay to do it, you're not going to do it, right? Um, so I, I think when you ask the question about what people are thinking about, um, those are the first thing that come to mind is just like they don't want to be perceived as someone who's that guy or that gal, right? Um, in regards to whether you should do it or not, I am in 100% agreement with you. Um, it's all about decisions, right? Um, you can, if you know that going to this game or going there or joining this team, whatever it is, if you know that joining this team will get you in this group or provide you with access to someone who you may be able to influence or, or help you gain influence and you don't want to, it's okay. It's your decision. And, and just realize it's your decision. Um, don't blame anyone else. You know, it's just, it, it's your decision. And, you know, I tell people all the time, but you know, that being, being in the room, is extremely powerful though. Just, just, just realize that there's a famous um, salesman, Dan Locke. Um, he, he tells a story how he, when he was starting off in his career, you know, he's multimillionaire now, but when he was starting off, he had nothing. Right. But what did he do? He, he found there's a, a hotel in, uh, I think it was Toronto because he's in Canada as a hotel where all these business people are always at. And so he went there every single day. And what he do, he sat down in the lobby working on stuff. So people saw him there 
And because they saw him, they assumed that he belonged there. And so they eventually started talking to him. He could he developed relationships and then business came from there. The same thing happened to me in my career is I always found reasons to walk down the corridor where the deputy assistant secretaries were or where the assess, assistant secretaries were. People who are influencers. I wanted to be to know people on that that um that those those corridors because once they saw me over and over and over, I started getting pulled in the meetings. People started asking my opinion. This is when I was 24, 25 years old. And it's simply because they associated me with being there. They, ex they, they expected me to be in those conversations after, at, at a point. So to your point, yes, people need to be able to make a decision on whether it's okay for them to, to go to a space or whether, you know, like you said, if, if you really hate golf, don't play golf right? Um, understand it's your decision not to do it. And then maybe there's another way to get in front of those people and just be creative, but don't, don't shut your mind off and say, well, I don't play golf, so I'm just going to let it go. And the world hates me and it's not fair. <laughs> I'm not, the, I don't like that. <laughs> I really like the, the way that you have mapped out um, your principles. Uh, one of which is you have to be able to change your mind around networking. I think that's really powerful. Uh, because a lot of that's 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 great that that's number one. A lot of behavior change, a lot of suggestions. It's not about what what uh, other people need to do, but how you can change yourself, right? What, not what you can do to change other people, but what, what you can do to change your own mentality and and, and start with you, start with your heart. Um, so I, I really like like that perspective. Um, you brought up something that I wanted to dive a little bit into, um, which is the objective of networking. Uh, what do you think uh, the people that are, are coming to you to ask about you know, career advice, um, what do you think they're truly trying to do? Are they really just trying to climb a proverbial uh, ladder, career ladder, or is there something else that you're looking for and how do you address that? I, I, think, I think that's a great question. I think that, I think most people who come to me um, are coming to me because they've, they've, they've been told this lie and they've been living this lie and they're confused as to why this, this lie is not working out for them. And the, the lie is hard work pays off, right? If I just work hard enough, everything will be okay. And it's a lie. Um, I, I try to be as, I like being blunt because the reality is there's a lot of hardworking people out there who aren't where they want to be, right? Um, and so I tell them, you know, hard work is, is required, right? It's, it's, if, you don't, if you're not a hard worker, you're not gonna get anywhere. Um, but it's, but that's, for me, it's the baseline, right? Um, it's the stuff on top of hard work. And so I, I tell people that, so when they come to me, they generally like, Hey, look, I'm doing all this stuff. I, why can't I get to the next level? This person doesn't like me or that person doesn't like me, or, you know, the, the system's rigged against me or whatever it is. They, they're only promoting their friends. And I, I, I want to, them to change their mindset as what you said is stop focusing on so much about what other people are doing and what is it that you can do to change your situation, Right. Um, and then we start building plans from there. The, 
the, the last thing I guess I'll, I'll say on this is that um, I just want people to, to be happy, right? The, the, the reason why I believe networking and developing political savvy skills and so on and so forth is so critical is not necessarily because I want everyone to be able to run, uh, rule the world, right? It's like pinking the brain. Um, it, it's more so for options, right? I, I, I personally always want to have options so I can choose to take an opportunity or choose to not take an opportunity, right? Um, and so if, 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 you're the, if you want to be the best burger flipper at McDonald's, great. I literally had competitions with my, with my, uh, with my coworkers when I worked at McDonald's back in the day. Like I wanted to be, I, wanted, I really do want to be the best at whatever I do. And like, so, but there's nothing wrong with it. Our world cannot function without people uh, who are not in senior level position because pe- someone has to do the actual work, right? Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. But I do believe that you should always provide yourself an option so if you want to do something differently, you have the space to do it. You have the connections to do it. If something happens, you can call someone up and say, hey, look, I need a new gig. Can you help me out? Great, let's go. And you're not stuck in a very um, uncomfortable situation because you just didn't spend the time to build those relationships. I, I love that. I, I love your focus on being satisfied and having options. And I, I think uh, I, I perceive that very strongly uh, for myself. I, I certainly haven't had a linear career progression in, in the uh, traditional sense of climbing um, a ladder. But more importantly, to your point, I have found roles and projects that I'm excited about, that I, I love to do. And I think that, I think, is more important. Whereas I, I, there have been times in my career where uh, I think about uh, if I only leverage this type of um, uh, technique uh, to get access or things like that. And then I realized, well, well I, I hear about these things, right? I, I'm reading articles, I'm, I'm, I'm observing the behaviors of, of people who are, you know, quote unquote, brown nosing and things like that. And I wonder like, oh, is that something that I should be doing? And, and then I, I realized, wait a minute, uh, those are techniques. Let me figure out the strategy first. And so when I realized, wait a minute, Sorry, did you want to jump in on something? No, I was like, you're exact. You and I are kinder spirits. Those are techniques. Let's create a strategy first. Please keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So yeah, exactly. Like okay, I can just go and try to piece together a whole bunch of techniques that I've heard or that that I'm observing, but without having that strategy, I'm just grasping at at at, at air, uh, grasping at the wind. And so I realize over time, you know, for for me, I'm not. Um, necessarily trying to be uh, a, a chief executive officer, right? Um, that's my, my main objective is not to climb the ladder. If that happens, great. Uh, my main objective is to continue finding roles that, that I'm excited about, that, I, that my experience can influence. Uh, and so having that strategy and having that clear picture in mind um, helps me to uh, be able to make the best use of my time and to ignore things that are time sucks, that are uh, not conducive to, as you said, uh, satisfaction, happiness, and options. So, um, you know, I, I think about, um, you know, for your audience, it would probably be really helpful to perform um, periodic reflections and assessments. So something I do on an annual basis is I assess what I'm doing, uh, what my impact is, the people that I'm working with is very important. And also, very importantly, 
what you're grateful for, right? Um, um, in the field of positive psychology, um, you have to understand your current state and you have to look at what's going well first before you look at what's not going well. And so as I've done that, that's given me a clear picture of my current state in my life, my career, and it, it also helps me to see what I need to you know, start, stop, and continue, what I need to adjust for the future state. So um, I, really, I really like your perspective. I wanted to add that. Brother, uh, <laughs> I, I'm saying brother because again, we are, we, are, we, are, we are brothers with kindred spirits. Stop, start, continue is another assessment I love doing. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, and then, you know, just to say really quickly that the C4 uh, strategic, strategic networking strategy is mindset change, um, internal clarity, external clarity, and then behavior choice. Behavior choice is that last thing. That's those, the, the, the things that you can do, the, the actual actions, but that's the, that's the last thing. You need to understand yourself. You need to understand who you're trying to develop, why you're trying to develop those relationships, the, the strategy so that you're not just, like you said, just grasping at, at straws in the wind. I, I love, I love everything you're saying. Um, I, I want to throw something at you. Um, I, I really want to ask you this question. What are your thoughts about self-promotion, right? Um, there are a lot of groups within this, con- this country and the world who are very hesitant to engage in self-promotion, um, whether it be um, because of their culture, their, their gender, whatever it may be, right? Um, and at, at the same time though, is self-promotion is, is, is required at some level because you can't assume that the, that the promotion or the hiring man or whoever knows you've been watching you. Like you have to, I feel like you have to show your value. Um, so what, do you, what are your thoughts on people and self-promotion and how they maybe should do or maybe shouldn't do more. What do you think? I think we need to find a new term for self-promotion. I think uh, exactly as you mentioned, um, because there are uh, people who uh, from, from a cultural standpoint are not used to speaking much about themselves, about their, their success. I think we need to reframe the value of sharing your story. The, uh, we need to reframe self-promotion from a different perspective. Uh, and I think it's about, it's, it's as much about cultural education as it is about um, introspection. It's about teaching uh, people the rules of engagement in certain organizations that these are the behaviors of this organization and it's part of the culture. And if there's a particular thing that you want to do, these are the behaviors that you have to exhibit. It's all about introspection because it's about looking at yourself and asking yourself, why am I not willing to share my stories? Uh, what, 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 what narrative do I have uh, that's holding me back? from telling my story? Is it some more traditional narratives of if I just put my head down and shut up and do my work, then I'm going to eventually be recognized? All right, what, kind, what are those narratives? So that's, there's, there's an education aspect and there's an introspection aspect. So I think those are, 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 are two very important things that people who feel hesitant to tell their story need to do. They, they, they need both, both the education and the introspection because I think after they get 
have an understanding of the behaviors that are required in their organization. And, and once they are able to uh, overcome some of those false narratives, I think people uh, will be more um, apt to share their stories. I think that's perfect. Um, I, I love those two components that you broke it down into. One education, understanding this is the culture of this organization and or the culture of this part of the world or this part of the this state or understanding what what the culture is of that that entity where you're at and then also the the internal narrative i i love i love that and like i said it's not about it's not self-promotion it's telling your story right um i just i just led this campaign uh called the uh, 2021 unsung heroes of federal service award um and it was really cool. You know, it just closed today, but today is not when this recording going out, but you know, we had a really great turnout um, of individuals who applied and, and now have won. And by the time you listen to this, they would have been announced. At the same time, I still, I just, I'm so disappointed because there were so many people who I know did great things and deserve to be recognized, but they just would not nominate themselves for an award. They said, no, I can't. It'll make me look like I'm into myself. I, I feel like I'm being sleazy. That's not a real thing. Can can you nominate me? And I'm like, no, I'm the guy leading this campaign. I, that's not appropriate. Um, like, it, I, I want people to feel like it's okay to tell their story. I, I don't know what else to say on this, but I, yeah, I just, I've, I'm really frustrated. <laughs> I think uh, one additional comment to add is why you want to tell your story. I think as people ask that question and, and figure out the answer for themselves, for themselves, they'll, they'll start to realize actually uh, it's for the cause. Maybe there's a particular um, underserved community. Maybe there's a particular under budgeted department that needs more attention. And as you tell the success stories, it's not uh, necessarily just helping the persons, the individual, it's helping the organization. So thinking about uh, the benefits, the, the corporate benefits as a larger body rather than an individual benefit, I think it's also a, a good way to refer, reframe why it's a good idea to tell the story. So, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's just what it's, what's, what, what is the outcome you're looking for? What, what is the, the ultimate uh, end goal of sharing your story? That, that is a good question to ask. Again, thank you so much, Ivan. I, I, cannot, I cannot thank you enough for everything that you've shared today in the conversation. I, I'm really looking forward to continuing our conversation um, even past today. I, I know we're running up against time. You have a million things to do. I know you're going to go out there and save the world. Um, are there any final thoughts, last thoughts, ideas, anything you'd like to share with, with, our, uh, with our audience prior to us uh, closing today? I think there are, um, there are two things that I think that are, are really helpful uh, and for additional resources. One is um, I really encourage uh, our audience to explore a bystander intervention training. 
uh, in the field that, that I'm working with right now, which is uh, ethical leadership and uh, diversity, equity, inclusion as a subcomponent of ethical leadership, uh, a lot of people are hesitant to get involved when they see something that's not going well, when they see uh, racism occur to a colleague, when they see the, uh, someone else experience harassment uh, and discrimination. And so something that's important in, in terms of changing the, our whole environment and, and growing allies is for people to participate and to learn uh, aspects of how you can intervene. And it's not just about, uh, a lot of people think of like stepping into the moment and say, don't do that, that's not cool. That's only one of many ways that uh, a person can, can intervene. There, there's sometimes you can just document it with a, a, a camera, you can um, um, uh, support, you can distract, you can kind of um, make, make a fuss about something else to kind of distract that particular incident from escalating. So there's many ways that uh, a person can intervene to, to de-escalate and to uh, uh, create a safer environment for their friends and their colleagues and, and even the strangers uh, on the street that are experiencing um, a lot of these, these bad things that are happening. So I, I highly recommend to our audience to explore bystander intervention training. Um, one place that I found really helpful free training is, called, is a, a website and organization called uh, I Holla Back. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's really, really fun. Just I, I think I back.org or .com, one of those things. So that's one. And I think the second resource that'd be really helpful to uh, your audience is uh, my friend, uh, Stephen Krempel. He used to be the uh, chief learning officer uh, at Starbucks. And uh, he has developed uh, a, a communication um, tool called, uh, I think, uh, Winning in the Workplace. And one of his um, premises is understanding cases for when you need to change your behavior when you're speaking with senior leaders, how you might need to adjust your communication when you're speaking with people that are several um, uh, um, grades uh, or steps above you. And so I think that has been really helpful. So if you look and uh, Google him, look him up, uh, he has some really good programs um, uh, around um, how to adjust communication style. So those are two resources. I think that'd be really powerful for uh, your audience, our audience. Our audience. <laughs> and his name again? His name is Stephen Krempel, uh, K-R-E-M-P-L. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, Googling that myself, actually. So thank you so much. Actually, I'm not even looking forward to Googling it. I, I fully expect an introduction, just FYI. Um, <laughs> I want again to again thank you so much for spending the time you spent with us today, sharing your thoughts, ideas, and wisdom with, with not only me um, and, and our audience, but with everyone who now listens to it and shares it with someone else. I, 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 I always say, don't just look back, re don't just look back, reach back. Um, if you found something of value in the time that you've spent listening to this and watching this interview, don't keep it to yourself. If you know of someone who can benefit from it, whether it be a friend, a colleague, a family member, share it with them, encourage them to listen to it. 
ask them questions about it, have a dialogue, have a discussion about it. Cause we don't just learn from just listening, actually have a conversation about what you learn. And, and that'll really drive your, uh, make, make your learning that stick that much more. Um, so don't just look back, reach back. And as everyone who may be a federal employee listening to this podcast today, please, please, please also check out our sister podcast, fed upward at fedupward.com. And I will leave you with a, Thank you so much. I and I greatly appreciate you being here. Everyone, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.